What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. Got Dimey here for a little bit of a visit. He's had his dinner. He's feeling content. He got some ear scratches, and uh, yeah, we'll see if he stays for the whole video this time. Also, just got another video uploaded to the Uncle Spectre channel. If you like scary, creepy, spooky stories and uh, and Halloween slash suspense type stuff, head on over and check out Uncle Spectre. I'm going to try to remember to put a link down below and uh, see what you think. All right, let's do some malicious compliance. The time I was a victim of malicious compliance, and it still makes me laugh. About 30 years ago, I was an admin and facilities manager of a Royal Mail sorting service. And one day, every one of the liquid soap dispensers in the toilet was empty. So I found a passing cleaner and told him, Not my job. That's the night cleaner's job to fill them up. Yeah, well, he obviously didn't do it. So you need to go to the cleaning cupboard and get some soap and make sure there's some in each one of the dispensers so people can wash their hands. I go back upstairs to my ivory tower and five minutes later I get a phone call to say I need to sort out the liquid soap dispensers in the toilet. I go back downstairs and in each liquid soap dispenser there's a bar and in each liquid soap dispenser there's a bar of solid soap. That is pretty funny and very literal. You told the guy you needed soap in there and he put soap in there. Now I will say this. I'm pretty sure that most companies, corporations, government entities even, um, you know, if you're part of the maintenance slash cleaning crew, then it is your job. If the stuff runs out and the night guy didn't do it, then it's up to the next guy. It sucks, but that's the way it goes. Now, should somebody go back and start holding the night crew accountable for what they're not doing? Sure. But in the meantime, you know, come on, cover it. Of course, I don't know how OP approached it, how he said it, but you know, either way, I'm pretty sure it's your job. You want proof that my fiance is sick? You got it. I, 25 female, am engaged to my fiance, Joey, 26 male. He recently had surgery on his leg and hip, but there were complications, and he's been sick and weak ever since. We try not to ask for help, but this has put a big financial strain on us, to the point where we've spent our wedding savings on his recovery. We're fine with this because if we need to have a courthouse wedding, we're cool with it. We just want him to be healthy, but we did set up a temporary donation page to help with some of the expenses. A friend of mine, Carla, 25 female, donated $10 about a month ago, and I reached out to her to thank her. Last week we posted an update, not asking for more money, but just to let people know that Joey's had another setback and the doctors are creating an all-new treatment plan for him. Carla commented publicly and said the following, I'm beginning to question if he's actually been sick this long or if y'all are just trying to get more money for your wedding. Who takes this long to recover from surgery, especially when you're an athlete? What a bitch. I said, uh, I'm very offended and appalled that you would accuse us of faking anything. Maybe you're just having a bad day or a moment of bad judgment, but how shamefully low of you. She replied, I want my donation back unless you can show proof that he's sick, in a hospital bed or sitting in a doctor's office. Anything? I sent her $10 to get her off our backs, but I also sent her a video with Joey's approval, the proof she asked for. One of the concerns Joey has had is that he will get severely nauseous if he eats protein, which is what he's supposed to be doing, and when he overexerts himself, which he does sometimes. I sent a video of him dry heaving into an emesis bag in the middle of PT. Now, one of his doctors asked us to record his PT so they can see the progression of him not feeling well to hopefully make some adjustments. So I didn't take this video just to send to Carla, but to me it seemed like solid proof since she was asking for it. She said, what the hell? I have emetophobia. What the hell is even that? I didn't know this. And this just triggered me so bad. I hope you're happy with yourself. I feel like I've been traumatized. 
I said, so now you have $10 more to process this trauma and therapy. And I had to look it up. Emeto or, uh, yeah, emetophobia. Emetophobia, yeah. Extreme fear of vomiting. Well, who knew? I learned a new word today. And I also know that, like most people, she probably doesn't have that affliction. Especially if she was asking for proof. Like, what kind of proof do you want? You're going to see something gory or swollen or bruised or cut. Or somebody dry heaving, wet heaving. Ugh. She's probably the same type of person that goes to a restaurant and claims she's allergic to anything and everything that's on the menu and has to have somebody totally make her a unique meal from scratch that, you know, really is impossible to make. There's too many people out here looking for attention, claiming allergies and all kinds of other stuff that they really don't have. I'm not saying these things don't exist, but there's a lot of people out here faking stuff just for the attention. It sucks. I just sit back, drink my beer, eat my stuff cooked in peanut oil, and laugh and laugh and laugh. I really have to shake everyone's hand? Okay. English isn't my first language, so sorry in advance for all the stuff I will mispronounce in your heads. This happened like 15 years ago in Germany. I was in my apprenticeship in a big coal mine, once the pride of German industry. We had 50 apprentices every year. Here you have to do three years apprenticeship before you become an electrician, for example. And my company employed around 4,000 people at that time. The coal sector in Germany was in decline, and it was cheaper to import coal from China, Poland, or Australia. So the company got big subsidies by the state, and it showed. Stuff wasn't replaced. People had to do more shifts. All in all, there was an atmosphere, especially in management, of having to prove you're still useful in a sense. While most people were pretty chill, retirement plans for the older workers were solid. And us younger people knew we weren't going to work there long term from the beginning. The upper management still wanted to show they were the big shots. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So one day all apprentices called into a big meeting with the top manager of our section and he told us that we have too many sick days. In Germany you can have as many sick days as you need and you get paid for them in full. There are some other things about pay and sick days in Germany, but they're not important to this story. But if you want to nitpick or learn more, just read up on German labor laws. It's fun, I promise. He even had a full PowerPoint presentation with how many days we've had, what the reason was, and there were charts and figures and such stuff like that. The whole management spiel. In the end, his idea was that from now on, we all had to give our sick notice to him personally in his office at the first day of absence. This is kind of not 100% legal, I think. I'm no lawyer, but we're all young people and had little to no knowledge about this. Why he wanted to do it this way was clear. He thought many of us were faking their sicknesses to get a long weekend or whatever. Up till then, you only had to phone in when you were sick and could either send your doctor's notice by mail or bring it in and leave it at the office receptionist. That wasn't good enough anymore, I guess. Directly the week after the meeting, I got a bad stomach bug. Don't ask me what it was. Maybe I ate something bad or it was just the season. No idea. After I spray painted my parents' bathroom all night, I got to my doctor first thing in the morning and got a doctor's notice and was instructed to not go under people for the next couple of days in case I was contagious. So I went home and phoned the receptionist at the office to tell them I was sick and couldn't come in. He transferred me to the manager who told me I had to hand him my notice personally. No ifs, ands, or buts. If I didn't, I would get a write-up or worse. I knew he thought I was lying and that didn't sit right with me. And all the time there, I only missed work for one week and that was because I had a broken foot. Yes, I worked in a coal mine with a broken foot. And I'm not nearly as tough as this makes me sound. And I didn't like to be accused like that even though it was only implied. By law, you're not forced to tell your employer why you're sick, only that you're sick. 
Cue my malicious compliance. I said, sure, I'll be right there. I got into my car, drove to my workplace, and got to the office. My manager was in a meeting with some higher-ups in the company, and I was instructed to wait. But as he heard I was there, I was invited into the room full of people in expensive suits who looked like they had serious business to do. Or whatever. Maybe the cookies were good there. I don't know. So he made me stand in front of all these important people in the company and made me introduce myself to everyone with a handshake. I didn't protest. Why would I? He insisted. I shook the hands of the manager of production and finances and development. Everyone who was there and I introduced myself. I'm sure it was meant to scare me into not having any false sick days anymore. Then with a triumphant smile, he asked me why I was there and I pulled out my doctor's notice, gave it to him and said, as you instructed me, I have to give you my doctor's notice in person. I got a bad case of stomach flu this night and just wanted to let you know I'll be sick for the rest of the week. Their faces were priceless and he pushed me out of the way too fast for me to really cherish the moment. My stomach was better by the next week and the rule about our sick days was lifted. I could just see every one of those suits sitting there, their faces going pale white because they know that they pretty much just got infected with whatever you've got, if it's contagious. And this manager looking like a total jackass for A, implementing that rule in the first place, which like you said, I don't think that's legal. They can mandate that you have a doctor's note or whatever. I mean, Germany's pretty similar to the US when it comes to some labor laws. But either way, it's just it's just ridiculous. Are there people that are going to take advantage of the sick days and personal days and whatever? Sure. There always is. There always was. There always will be. The only thing that would have made this interaction better OP is if you had actually just kind of turned to the side while you were shaking somebody's hand and puked all over the floor. That would have just been the cherry on top. <laughs> I'm just a bartender and you know everything? Okay. Have a nice shower. Happened about 10 years ago now. I had been working in catering and hospitality managing pubs for about 10 years at that stage. The catering company I worked for had come up short-staffed for a smallish function and festival that they were putting on, probably max about 200 people at a venue they controlled. I was in a different division, but was asked to help out on the bar and bump in and out. Easy enough, and the music was looking pretty good, so I agreed. It was in the middle of spring. The weather hadn't yet been really warm, so we were expecting decent numbers, but nothing special. Bringing in the bar was easy enough. The venue was massive and easily able to accommodate the truck, etc. Having a single mobile bar with just one tap tree was probably on the light side, but I figured the venue manager knew what he was doing. So I introduced myself to him and got to work. I unloaded and brought all the gear and beverage in and made a couple of attempts to discuss how we'd set up the service area. Each time I was shut down with progressively more aggressive language until he finally told me, I've run dozens of functions in this venue. I think I know how to set it up. We really only asked for a bartender. Okay, no problem, I thought. I didn't mention to him that it had been me that picked up the truck from the warehouse, collected the bar and 10 kegs from our supplier, as well as the other beverage package, and delivered it to him. Or that I was the only one able to bump it all out at the end of the evening. So I just agreed with whatever he said and set up the way he wanted. So the weather ended up being a beautiful day, about 27 Celsius, 80 degrees Fahrenheit, with a light breeze and the turnout was more like 400, much better than expected. Pretty quickly, it turned out that we were struggling to keep up with bar service. So I suggested that rather than a traditional service, we should have one person on the till, one person constantly pouring beers, like never shut off the tap, and one person filling other drinks like wine, soft drinks, etc. Again, I was snapped at by the now clearly stressed venue supervisor. You just keep serving and let me do the thinking. <laughs> okay, so now I'd had enough. 
Customers were getting frustrated at the slow service, and this peanut was too proud to accept advice from someone far more experienced. And then the keg blew. I was about to change it when the peanut stepped in and said he would take care of it. I checked that he knew what he was doing and was assured he'd done it a hundred times and to back off and leave him to it. So I did. I watched him not uncouple the gas line and go straight for the beer lock. Happily, he had his face right in the spot, so as soon as he cracked the lock, he copped a huge spray in the face of nice warm beer foam. All through his hair and all over his glasses. Wet all down the front of his shirt as well. It was glorious, and the first 30 people in line thought so as well because they'd witnessed some of his antics. I didn't hear much out of him for the rest of the day. He asked me to change the kegs when needed and pretty much stayed away from the service area. We streamlined things as well, and although it didn't end up a success as far as customer satisfaction, it wasn't the disaster that was brewing. While some venue supervisors may have more experience than people working under them, they should never assume that they do. If somebody's willing to come up with an idea, take 10 seconds, 15, 30 seconds, even a minute, listen to what they've got to say, noodle it through for a minute, and make your decision based on that. You're better off making informed decisions than rash, uninformed decisions that are going to get you sprayed full of beer and everybody pissed off at you. But let's be honest, we don't know many managers who have that much common sense, so there's that. Cheaper to pay with cash? Fine. Have it your way. I usually pay with things using my credit card. I find that it's way more convenient than carrying cash. This one restaurant that I go to has recently started a policy that I don't like. I'm constantly reminded of this policy by one snooty cashier. Every time she rings you up, she says the total, and then she makes a big production of seeing the credit card, hits another button, then says a higher total. She then smiles and says, just a reminder, it's cheaper to pay with cash. Today, I put this policy to the test. When she did her little head bob of recognition at my credit card, I put it away and said, actually, I'm paying cash today. I pulled nearly 60 quarters out of my pocket and set them on the counter. <laughs> She looked like someone had just thrown up all over her. The fake cheeriness she typically has when touting the policy evaporated. I turned to the folks behind me, smiled sweetly, and said, Sorry, it's cheaper to pay with cash. As the seconds turned into minutes, I just kept repeating, Sorry folks, they get charged a fee to use credit cards. It's cheaper with cash. It's not about the money for me, it's about the principle of it. Cards are easier, cleaner, and more convenient, as the cashier found out in a very visceral way as she counted the quarters. Honestly, the whole thing reminded me of those old commercials that compelled me to get the credit card in the first place. Price of a meal with cash, $14.30. Price of a meal with card, $14.87. The look on that snooty bitch's face, priceless. It's funny, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world. In some states here in the US, at least it used to be this way, it used to be legal to charge a different price for credit or cash. Mainly at gas stations. I worked at a lot of gas stations in New Jersey when I was a teenager. And it was absolutely not legal at that time, at least, to charge two different prices for cash or credit. Now, I understand that from a business owner's point of view, I get the fact that we're paying a, a higher fee for the credit card usage and all that stuff. Um, and it does eat into the bottom line. So I have no problem with having a cash versus credit price, but it should be stated clearly upfront. But honestly, the way most places set up that I've ever been to that actually do do this they actually have a, pr a set price and it's usually the higher number and then somewhere on their menu takeout board counter register whatever they have a sign that says cash discount so that way you're expecting the higher price but if you have cash in your hand they knock a couple cents off and that that works without pissing a bunch of people off so yeah this lady was just 
proud of herself for, you know, making everybody's life difficult because she was a know-it-all. Hmm. Well, I'm ringing it up as you ordered. I live in a town that's about 90% restaurants, yet the only place to eat is either Raising Cane's, Chick-fil-A, or here. Someone comes up with a coupon that refers to one particular item here. Okay, can I order the club sandwich, but can I substitute the meat for egg? I tell the customer that they could just order an egg and cheese since we serve all day breakfast here and that it's actually the same price. Maybe a little cheaper than using the coupon. Time comes to pay and I have to ring it in. So a sub that was $8 is now over $10 because of the substitution charge. Meanwhile, an egg and cheese would have been only about $7.99. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect everybody to know this if they have a coupon and they want to try to make the switch. And But most people like this cashier here or this, this worker will tell you whether there's a price difference or not. Uh, if you're going to save any money using the coupon and say, hey, I mean, I've even had people at McDonald's. And trust me, there's not a whole lot of motivated people at McDonald's. But I've even had some of them tell me, listen, if you order this and this and this instead of whatever combination that I ordered then it's actually going to save you a couple bucks. Cool. I'll do it that way. I mean, it's not rocket science and they work there, so they should know. But if you insist on using the coupon, then uh, screw it. Use the coupon and pay more. Hey guys, YouTube thinks you're really going to like the video that's on the screen now. So uh, do me a favor and click on it. See ya.